Israel is a land of diverse cultures, religions, foods, music and people. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he explores the devout and divine, the off the wall and outrageous and everything in between. Right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. Talking today to Gabby Bloomberg and Jordi Sank, who are Jewish filmmakers uh, in our community and working, interestingly, also on Jewish-related films. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review. Thank Thanks you. for having Thanks us. For having <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome to have you guys uh, in studio today. So let's just start off uh, with your first film uh, that you guys have been working on. Uh, it's about the Holocaust and a Holocaust survivor. Tell us yes. a little bit about that and, and why did you decide to do it? Sure. So um, I grew up uh, in Cape Town and uh, I grew up around the Holocaust survivor. Her name's Ella, Ella Blumenthal and uh, she's 98 uh, today. And uh, so I grew up hearing her, her incredible stories of uh, survival, uh, moments of hope that she experienced during uh, her time in the different camps and in the, in the Warsaw Ghetto. And... Uh, like from that moment as a child hearing these stories, I always knew that we had to capture them and, and preserve them. And, uh, and yeah, basically, uh, the beginning of last year, Gabby and I, um, met and we planned uh, to shoot it all. And, uh, right now we're in post-production on, uh, on the documentary, which, uh, which focuses mainly on, uh, the his- historical side of her experiences and, and her memories. Um, but also, um, something that we haven't really seen too much, which is also, um, how Holocaust survivors today are, are living and, uh, you know, how she sort of lives her life, um, with such uh, zest and, uh, you know, incredible perseverance. And I think that um, it was really a great privilege for me because, as Jordi mentioned, he grew up with Ella um, and he knew her story and he knew her personality. And um, at the beginning of last year, he asked me to come on board and help produce the project. And um, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I thought, you know, this is an important story to tell. Of course, I heard the facts. Um, she had she grew up in Warsaw. She was um, in hiding in Warsaw. She survived three concentration camps. Um, so I knew the fact of how amazing and rich her story was. But only when I got on set and met her did I actually realize the privilege I had um, of being in her presence. And it's something that I think that the film um, gives the audience that privilege to because she is she is such a uh, I want to say she can be a bit of a sassy grandmother she has such a personality um and I think it's it's really um it's always amazing you know meeting a holocaust survivor who still has this um strength but she, with her she has a zest for life she has a sense of humor um and I don't think and she's and she's got such a strong faith um which I think is is quite rare and and really important to see. And she's what ninety nine today. She's she's ninety eight. She'll turn ninety ninety nine in August. Okay, yeah. so uh, sure, that's uh, it's not young at, at all. Yeah, uh, she's young at heart. Well, I mean, that, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I went and had a look at the Instagram page for the for the filming, and you you have some quite interesting images still of her walking down the beach at uh, in Cape Town and, and talking to the residents so is, is that kind of part of what you were trying to get across yes like so so that's one one element we really wanted to get get across her her incredible nature her fight for survival but also this like incredible spirit that she has which is like almost infectious and it's it sort of inspires all of us who like you know we all have our own daily troubles nothing to compare to what she went through but like still she's smiling she's happier than 
than ever, you know. And you can also imagine we like we really wanted to show that strength and we knew um that Ella likes to swim. So we thought, oh cinematic, how perfect we can get this shot of her in the swimming pool. But also she's ninety eight, we we don't want to tie her out. So Geordie says, Ella, get in the swimming pool, you're gonna do one length, we're gonna set up the camera and then we're gonna change the camera and you'll have a break and we'll tell you when to do it again. She says nonsense. She gets in the pool before the camera's even rolling. She's doing 10 laps in this long swimming pool and we like chasing after her. And I think that's actually what a lot of the shoot was, was running after Ella. Um, because she's so strong and she's got, um, yeah, I mean that, that strength, that will to survive that, that you really needed during the darkest time. She's still able to, to have that in, um, fun and great moments today. Uh, I'm also interested that you, you you decided on a technique which was kind of pioneered by Israeli filmmakers a, a few years ago uh, in Waltz with Bashir, mm. uh, which basically does memory shots or, or, or things that in the past using animation. Yes. Uh, so and, and so so what what aspects uh, of that have you have you tried to incorporate into the film? Because it's it's quite interesting for me. You know, South African documentaries are very good on this realism stuff, what you're doing with people swimming and in, in Cape Town and walking. Uh, but the animation is something new and very Israeli. So just talk to us a little bit about the process behind that. So the reason that we that we wanted to go um, to use animation was because we we took a look at all the different options of stock that we had. Um, and there is quite a quite a bit of the camps mostly taken after the liberation, um, and we just felt like you know Ella is put into a gas chamber, and to show an image of a gas chamber or video footage of a gas chamber really doesn't even begin to describe her her story in the way that she felt in the gas chamber. So that's the the reason we wanted to bring animation in, in is because you sort of relive these moments with her and you experience it with with her character, like you know from the beginning of her story to the end, um, and. Uh, also, we wanted to, I think, with, with animation, I think animation is usually geared at a younger audience. And uh, I think now is more relevant than ever to, to gear Holocaust survivor stories to younger audiences who, who might not get the opportunity to ever meet a Holocaust survivor because they really are f- uh, far and few between. And I think that the other thing that animation really contributes to, to this film is magic because, um, y- you know, Ella went through such a horrific time but um as human nature um you needed to imagine a few things to to survive and to escape the reality um can i give away the shabbos table story so little sneak peek into the film she um she's watching someone being hanged um who has tried to escape one of the camps and her niece who survived with her um starts describing a Shabbos meal and she describes the bread that they would be eating and the food that would be on the table and how that was such a transformative experience that made them sort of fly out of the camps in their imagination and survive that time. And that is something that animation can do for us and something that will, I think, really allow the audience to get into the the heads of these survivors um, and see really what they were thinking and what helped them survive. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. If you want to be part of the conversation, ask Gabby or Jordi anything, you can telegram us on 0618951019 or you can SMS us on 34519. It only costs you 150 just to engage on the show. We'll take a short break. We'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman.
101.9 High FM Talking Film in the Jewish Community uh, Today with Gabby Bloomberg and Geordie Sank uh, About their film uh, Well the first one that we're going to talk about anyway uh, About a Holocaust survivor living in Cape Town Now guys I'm sure that uh, You know it is very, you know, from what you described, a great experience to be working with a person such as this. But I was interested, you know, Mod Perlov, who uh, also had a film recently made about his life in the Russian Gulag. He, he died last week. Um, you could tell in the in, in in the article that I read in the Jewish Report that that sometimes there's age differences, there's uh, perspectives on the world that are different, and and that can in in a filming project, I'm sure. Get in, get in the way, but cause some kind of, of tension. Was were there any of those kind of issues working with someone who's who's ninety eight and and, uh, and and with you guys who are actually millennials, unlike me? I don't. Th- I think that um, it more was a learning experience for us, seeing what values she's has kept and what we can incorporate into our lives. Um, and I think what was also interesting is in terms of, again, in terms of its relevance, and of course, as we're saying, we're sitting here today um, quite by coincidence on the 75th um, anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, where she she was liberated actually from Bergen-Belsen, but she did spend time in Auschwitz. Um, but how this film is still relevant today, um, and that was quite interesting in the conversations that we had with her, she spoke a lot about, um, and I think this is why the film is not only relevant to the Jewish community, but she spoke about the beginnings of the war and and the 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 hate and the discourse and the way that um people were being positioned and spoken about and um Jews and other um groups being represented and she says that she sees that sort of mushrooming up again today in different parts of the world um and i think really that was it it's that brings the film i think it's relevance today to today especially in this in xenophobic South Africa and in a and in a world that is being run by fear and, and fear politics. So so is you know is that when I say that is that the idea of the film? Eh? Are you guys going out there to to create a film that you're going to have on like film festivals and circuits, or is it something that you expect to be seen in schools and Holocaust centers for educational purposes? Where are you pitching? The, the the angle of the film, so to speak. So I I think uh, I think the film we're pitching it at both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we last year we had the opportunity to go to the the Durban International Film Festival, uh, which is the only Oscar qualifying film festival in Africa, and we got to meet with different people from the various uh, festivals around the world, um, and we got to like speak to them a little bit about the film, um, and they gave us a lot of great advice. Um, so I think foremost the f- we'd love for the film to have a, an international uh, release at the festivals and then also we want to try and target the schools different holocaust centers around the world and then also just to to get it to the widest audience hopefully on a streaming platform where anyone who sees sees a, an image or a trailer of it might be interested and want to just take a look well yeah, I mean, you've actually just answered the question of uh, someone who sms in just saying hi geordie and gabby this sounds amazing what platform will we able to see the movie on and when okay so you've kind of answered that person thank you for sending this sms please do add your name we would love to know who you are Thank and you, uh, who's going to be watching the film. Uh, but we do appreciate that, that, that you, that you sent that in. Okay. So when can we expect to be seeing it on the screens? Uh, what, you know, uh, so, so for that, you're going to have to stay up to date at the moment on well, our social media, which is at sanctuary films, S A N K. 
Yeah, because there's another sanctuary filmed with the sea, so you're going to not. Like Geordie Sank. Yeah. Um, So, um, because as Geordie was explaining, the way that a film works is um, you send it to festivals and it hopefully will have a positive festival run. Um, As Geordie's mentioned, we've been speaking to um, some big film festivals um, globally um, who know that the film's happening and are quite interested in it. Um, So we aim to finish this post-production phase, which is doing the animation, the sound design, the color grade, the um, everything that goes into packaging the film and exporting it in the correct resolutions and specs um, and doing that by the end of July, August this year. Then hopefully it'll have a festival run. Unfortunately, what happens is while it's at a film festival, um, you cannot release it in the public sphere because obviously the f- festivals like the exclusivity. Um, so that will happen, I suppose, the beginning part of next year. And from there, depending how well it's done on festival, it then ca- gets um, attracted to distributors who will do theatrical releases. Um, but as Jordi said, really our main aim, um, and it will only happen next year, is to get this to the widest audience possible, and that will be um, through partnering with educational platforms, um, we really, we've had the privilege of working with Tully Nace from the Holocaust and Genocide Center. So we'd really love to screen it at places like that, um, and at different schools. Um, and really not, we, we've been meeting actually with, um, the Polish embassy. We've met, we're meeting next, um, week with the German embassy, hopefully, and really getting this out to people that aren't just Jewish, um, through educational programs too. But hopefully we will have that festival and theatrical release first. Now, whenever you speak to filmmakers in South Africa, and we've had a few on the show uh, in, in the last while, uh, funding always comes up as, as a huge issue, right? Now, it doesn't sound to me like you had a massive cost uh, for this particular sh- uh, a movie because it's kind of a one-person story. But, but if you're adding animation, that kind of thing, that's uh, a, a time-consuming, if nothing else, process. So were you able to get financial backing for, for a film such as this, which is, I mean, it's kind of got a niche story, even if it has a wider uh, audience? So, um, yeah, the animation I think has been the the most expensive part of the um, of the process. Um, but basically, we've had a financial backer um, to help us uh, complete the animation, most of the post production. Um, but we are we are looking for additional funding. We've been applying to a, a whole bunch of foundations and uh, funding platforms around the world. Um, so we're hoping to sort of complete the project, uh, the remaining funding for the project. Uh, which is most of post, a few bit of post production, like the sound design, um, the color grading, etc. I mean, the, the other thing that filmmakers moan about is that as South African filmmakers, it's not till you make it somewhere else, right? Uh, you can win the Paraguay Film Festival award, and then suddenly South Africans are interested. The, the story itself, when you're at the Durban Film Festival, it, are locals interested? In, in a Holocaust story, is, is that something that South Africans resonate with? So I think what was um, very interesting is, you know, speaking to different filmmakers um, and um, and audience members is that her film ultimately, I mean, her story is ultimately really one of resilience and survival and hope. Um, she is currently living in Cape Town, so it does um, have that South African appeal. But what we found very interesting is we did a test screening with um, filmmakers and non-filmmakers. Um, and do you want to tell the story of them? Uh, um, so at, at the test screening, one of the um, 
one of the filmmakers that we sort of brought in to give an opinion. Um, he he absolutely loved the film and he and he thought it was so relevant. He's he's a, a black male who grew up in uh, in Cape Town and he had no exposure whatsoever to to the Holocaust or any stories or, or information of it. And he said it, it was firstly it was a very informative um, screening for him, but also he saw a lot of parallels between. Uh, what his parents and what he went through, um, you know, happening in South Africa during apartheid. And he said that, that seeing someone like Ella who's been through uh, the darkest period in history and to see her like being so positive and to, to being so strong, um, really was just uplifting for him. And he believes that a lot of South Africans will, will benefit from it. And quite funny, the, the next day I was actually meeting Ella and he insisted on, um, on coming to meet her, uh, with me and he even brought her a little, a little scarf as a as a gift, which was really sweet of him. Uh, that's 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 beautiful, actually. Uh, we're speaking to Gabby and Geordie today about their filmmaking. If you want to ask any questions, you can telegram 0618951019, or you can SMS us on three four five one nine. I want to ask something about your experience inside the Jewish community, right? And as being filmmaker, if you're not a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, we always get a bit concerned there might be a problem. Uh, so is, is filmmaking big in the Jewish community? Are there people, students, young people who are getting engaged with this stuff, making films? Where are we as a community? And, and crucially also being able to tell community stories as well. So I think um, what I've found... Um, in my experience, is well, firstly about the lawyer, everything. Um, I mean, Hollywood's made up of Jewish people, right. um, but I think um, mostly Jewish entertainment <laughs> lawyers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, but I think what there are definitely Jews in film school, um, and there are definitely Jewish people creating content, um, whether it is um, documentary or fiction, or whether it's more experimental work. Um, I think what becomes more difficult is if you are an observant Jew trying to get into a more formalized um, film industry, whether that is, um, say, commercials or being um, on a soap opera set. The film wor- world works with six-day weeks, 12-hour days. Um, so I have experience of working on set and having to leave at 4 o'clock on a Friday, and I was leaving set six hours early, um, which is unimaginable in a job leaving six hours early. So I think trying to get into that space or a commercial, you might be shooting the whole Saturday. So trying to get into that space is quite difficult. Um, and that's why a lot of um, observant Jews will go more into a freelancing space or, or um, hustling by themselves. Um, and then even... Or, or a lot of people who don't keep Shabbos only then start keeping Shabbos at a later stage in their careers when they've already built up a name for themselves and can call the shots. Um, so I do think that it is an active and vibrant community. I think that the, you know, the biggest stumbling block if you do want to be in a more institution, um, would be if you are observant. But I think that there's, as we can see from the films that we're creating, um, a lot of opportunities with, um, yeah, being a Jew. I think also there's there's a lot of uh, one thing that I've realized over the past few years is that there are a lot of industry leaders who um, like you know in commercials and in film in South Africa that are that are Jewish that are running studios that are running big production companies and you know it's it's all about finding who the who the best people to collaborate with with are because it's a in my experience, like there's been a few people who've been really really accommodating as far as Shabbos is concerned, kosher, and uh, I think uh, for for orthodox filmmakers, I think it's 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 easy. You just got to find the right partners. And and what about the issues of 
of stories themselves, right? So, so it's it's amazing to me that you found the story which clearly does resonate and and will resonate. But often, particularly on the documentary track, I mean, uh, you, you don't have an Encounters Film Festival without like a virulently anti-Israel film, uh, and uh, you know, a film. Film schools are particularly prone to very sort of woke narratives. Uh, you guys might be Jewish, but you're also white. Uh, you know, h- how do you find that interaction in 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 the work that you're doing? So I actually had a um, very clear experience of that two years ago. I was doing um, my masters in directing. Um, I was studying in London at the Met Film School, and um, a producer is ex South African. Um, from Durban, her name's Anika um, Makista, and she um, wanted to produce a documentary about indentured labor um, in Durban and in South Africa. And she asked me to come on board and direct. Um, and we had quite a lot of conversations about it at the time because we're telling a story of um, indentured labor of um, Indian people from India coming to Durban. And we looked at it on a global scale um, and realized that, you know, a lot of um, Indian people who came to Durban through interviews felt quite strongly South African. Um, and and I think there's a lot of the... There were a lot of dynamics coming into that film because of um, apartheid happened. And so so a lot of racial... It's, it's difficult to be in South Africa without knowing um, how you define yourself. And... Um, but I think what was interesting about being part of that film as a white South African was also having... Um, the Jewish heritage because I could understand what it was like to leave a place for want of a better life. I could understand um, historically what it's like to um, be oppressed in some way or to be tricked in some way. Um, And I think that on that level, um, as Jewish people, um, because of our history, we really can relate to a lot of stories of, um, of struggle and of trauma, which is typical to the South African landscape. Very interesting. Uh, Okay. So, just to finish off on 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 Ella uh, and and her film. So, if people do want to follow it, if they do, where, where can they? It's it's just on the Instagram, or or are there any others? Right now, it's just on the Instagram, um, but there will there is a website that is in development. Um, but we'll get back to you, I think, with more information on that once once it's out. Okay. And there's the IMDb page that has been set up. Um, so you can follow that and release dates, um, et cetera, will be on there. Yeah, no, it's legit if it's on IMDb. That's the ruling, <laughs> right? Uh, we're, uh, we're talking today to Gabby Bloomberg and Jordi Sank. Uh, they are filmmakers, uh, involved with a variety of filmmaking initiatives. And if you want to ask any questions, 061-895-1019 is the telegram uh, number. You can SMS us on 34519. Now, Gabby, I want to ask, uh, let's move into the, the other film that, that sort of, or films that you've been working on, uh, on a sort of different side of the community. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since the Jewish community had a, a, a big discussion about genetic issues and, and particularly genetic health. The, the typical example has always been Tay-Sachs, yes. uh, that, that, uh, as affected for the community for, for many years, and there's still an issue, but not nearly as much as it was, say, a hundred years ago. Uh, but there's new stuff on the horizon and new things that people are starting to look at. And this is something that you engage with, uh, in some of your films as well. Yes. So, um, I have, um, I went for genetic testing, um, when I was about 18 years old because I knew that I had a very strong history of breast cancer in my family. Um, 
so I actually found some of my grandmother's poetry, um, and she wrote um, one of her a poem when she was 26 years old. She wrote, to have to have one breast removed at 26 felt much like the beginning of death to me. Part of you gone, the good or the bad, who knows? So my grand was diagnosed at the age of 26 with breast cancer, and many of my family members um, and female relatives have um, have had breast cancer. And my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 47. I was 13 years old. And that already was um, a different generation. For my grandmother's generation, um, breast cancer wasn't really spoken about. Cancer in general, it was the big C word um, that wasn't spoken about. You didn't really know about genetic testing. With my mother, she knew about genetic testing. And um, she tested positive for the BRCA1 gene, the BRCA um, gene. So in the Jewish community, um, or there's... There's a BRCA1 gene, the BRCA2 gene, and I'm not a geneticist, but um, basically the summary is that they are tumor suppressor genes. So um, they they repair and restore damaged DNA. So if you can imagine a body that's functioning functioning normally, and as um, cells divide, if there is um, an issue and your DNA cannot be repaired um, in a normal way, then that's where cancer can occur. And... So this BRCA1 gene is very prevalent in Ashkenazi Jewish um, Ashkenazi Jewish community, as it is in a lot of um, other smaller communities. I think it's called a founder gene. Um, it's actually one in 40 Ashkenazi Jewish men and women have the BRCA1 gene. Um, it does affect men too. This is not just a, a female story. And with stats that high, it is a disgrace that we don't speak about it. Um, that we don't know about it, that we don't have, um, you know, an awareness about it. And I think what really, this is sort of where I came in as a filmmaker, what really angered me is when I saw um, people with the BRCA gene depicted in films, it was, um, it, it, was it was a bit of a joke. It was a, someone, there was a one character that said, you know, it's, it's an excuse to get a boob job and now I can wear strapless dresses. Um, and I think that we have to have a much bigger conversation with it. And that's what I've tried to do with my films. We're talking film and film in the community on 101.9 High FM. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM. We're talking to Gabby Bloomberg and Jordi Sank today. Uh, and uh, they are f- Jewish filmmakers or filmmakers in general. And uh, we're talking about some of the projects that they're working on. If you want to ask any questions, you can telegram us 0618951019 or you can SMS us on 34519. Okay, but you, you, it's interesting you were sort of making a point before the break about the depiction of this thing in the community, the fact we don't talk about it and when we do it's kind of a joke. And I watched one of your short films that you produced around this particular issue, and I, I was kind of expecting, I don't know, you know, like when the Ebola outbreak was there, and they were like, make sure you wash your hands and don't eat bats, and that was kind of like the entirety of the of the film, like mm-hmm. a, a medical PSA, right? But you took this really, if, I, if you don't mind me saying, kind of weird poetic route, and there's lots of curvy lines and out there sound effects. So what is the idea about it uh, approaching a scary topic like cancer, basically in a sort of poetic fashion. So I think what's, um, what I've done is um, 
I've made quite a few different iterations um, on the subject in, in a few different ways. So the one that you watched, um, it was a very experimental way. I've written um, a poem about the um, about having the BRCA mutation. Um, so that means that the, the genes don't um, work correctly. Um, and so that was a very experimental approach where I took poem combined by my grandmother who had passed away from breast cancer, um, my mother who survived breast cancer, um, and then my own experience of understanding that I've got this mutation and now having the power to decide, um, you know, what do I do with this knowledge and what um, action do I take? So the one, the film that you watched was um, an experimental film, and I think that um, that appealed to quite a few people because it was quite shocking in a way um, that almost shocked. You couldn't look away from the screen and you had to sort of deal with, um, it was very visceral, there's... Um, there's skin and there's blood and there's animation and it's, um, so, so it's, it really was a more poetic and experimental expression of the film. Um, as I mentioned, I was in, um, London, I did my master's and my master's project I did on this, um, someone finding out that they diagnosed with the gene. And that was a narrative fiction, fiction short, which was, um, a lot more subtle and, um, I had on board a fantastic cinematographer who was beautifully filmed and I had um, really brilliant actors and that was a way to to explore the film, explore the subject um, of finding out your, your, of your diagnosis um, in a narrative world and that should actually be available for people to view in probably in March this year um, the UK Jewish Film Festival has a website um, that they have put on videos on demand. So that should be online on their website probably in March, so you can look up the UK Jewish film. Um, so so that was another expression of it. Um, I've also done, um, there's an organization, I was also did it while I was in the UK, called Befriend Your Boobs, BYB, um, and they work with school children, showing them how to um, check their breasts for lumps. Um, and these school children were petrified. They brought in like a, a sort of dummy that you would use to practice CPR, except that it had breasts and bumps in the breasts. And these kids who like didn't even have their own breasts had to now touch this dummy. Anyway, so they were petrified. So we basically made these short social media um, videos that used fruit in a fun and innovative way and that were 15 seconds with fun music in the background that spoke about breast health. Um and that's actually is available on my Instagram page at Gabriella Bloomberg. Um, and then this last year, I had the privilege um, working with the Breast Health Foundation that has been doing work um, in Limpopo to really reform and provide solutions to the community there that has not had adequate um, um, access to breast cancer um Treatment, never mind breast cancer education. There were women there who did not know what breast cancer was. They never met a survivor. Um, and I think that really shed light on the privilege of my experience, even though I know I've all got this sort of sentence of um, carrying an 85% chance of developing breast cancer in my lifetime. I've got the power of knowledge um, and I've got people to speak to and I know um, what can be done about it. So I think that was a project that was also I'm really close to my heart. Um, you, you also talk to medical people, yes. don't you? I mean, do you show them the films or do you just sort of educate them on what to look out for? So this last year I was very privileged. I spoke to um, Lancet Laboratory and I spoke to the NHLS, um, the National Health Laboratory Services of Johannesburg. 
Um, and there I spoke to geneticists, researchers, um, you know, people do genetic testing, people are genetic counselors. And that really was um, very interesting for me. And I also got very positive feedback from um, from them because often I think when you're in a lab dealing with um, blood and um, you, you don't really – you understand the genetics far better than I do living with this genetic mutation. But you – I found a lot of people came to me and said that they often find it difficult to picture the person behind that drop of blood and to realize what it means for them to wait an extra week to get results um, and to realize what that positive um, diagnosis really means. And and I think it allowed them to sort of meet the, the person behind um, behind that drop of blood. Yeah, very, very interesting. I, it, it kind of does talk about the issue of film you know we're, we're talking here about film festivals and the fact that it's playing at the Jewish film festivals are obviously a good place for something like that but it's almost like film has very much morphed into being just something that we go look at when we go to the movies if you're on Facebook now or you're on Instagram film is everywhere and it's very much become a big part of just communication strategy it's, it's no longer a niche almost expensive thing to do and I think that um I mean, that process of everyone having a, a smartphone in their pocket where they can film is very empowering. Um, and that's actually what the, that experimental short that I did was shot on a smartphone. Um, and so with the UK Jewish film, it didn't premiere at their festival, but it's going to be on their online platform, mm-hmm. which um, I think is a really great opportunity to, um, to share this film um, when I've given talks at Lancet and the NHLS, and I hope to continue giving talks um, at different um, – Jewish centers or um, or genetic centers is that I show these films as part of my story because it gives film is a media that gives people a um, a way to understand stories to empathize to um, have and it will have that impact in their lives where they can actually um, will actually make can sometimes make more of an impact and have a longer lasting effect in their memory than just having a conversation with somebody you focused on short films so far. Is there something you'd like to do a, a, a longer type of project in this in this space, or, or, or do you think the short format works? Um, as you can see, I love experimenting with different media, from the experimental to the social media campaigns to the fiction short. Um, I would love to do a longer documentary on this, um, and I think it will be also be quite interesting in the next few years um, as I'm making decisions about what I want to do, um, potentially exploring a more of a personal documentary so as i mentioned if you have that if you diagnosed with the um have the positive um if you diagnose positive for this BRCA mutation then um you can have up to about an 85 percent chance of developing breast and ovarian cancer and um you know i respect a lot of people decide they don't want to do the test um and as i said with my mom she knew that she had this the gene um and she went then for regular screenings. And so by the time that when she got cancer, she was able to do something about it because she was, it was caught very early. Um, with myself, I think, um, in this generation, we have the opportunity of, um, of having preventative surgeries, which there's much less of a stigma about, um, having a double mastectomy, um, and, and yeah, there are lots of preventative options, which are obviously very big. And we can discuss it a bit more. 
Alright, fantastic. Uh, you're listening to 101.9 Chai FM talking film and Jewish film today. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back just after this. This is the new Blue Review with Benji Shulman. This is the Blue Review today. I'm Benji Shulman. We're talking Jewish film. We've been chatting with uh, Gabby Bloomberg and Geordie Sank about their uh, varying film projects in the community. And uh, Gabby, just before the break, uh, you were talking about this and you, you started getting onto some of the ethical issues around this disease, some of the, the decisions that people can make. Obviously, cancer still scares people in whatever form. Uh, so, so as someone who's making films, what kind of advice do you have to people particularly around this if, if they feel like they have to start thinking about this kind of thing? Well, I think the biggest thing is having a discussion with your family and understanding your genetic history um, and knowing if there is a um, you know, high rate of breast cancer in your family, then it really is a very personal decision deciding whether or not you want to get tested because once you do get tested, um, you've got a lot of choices to make. And I think I felt personally very empowered knowing um, that I had the, that I tested positive for this gene. Um, and I've had very strong role models in my life um, with my sisters and with other um, women in my family. But it is how do you make this diagnosis um, something that doesn't define you? Um, but at the same time, I felt, you know, how do I be proactive? Am I going to be judged for getting rid of my breasts in my 20s, but am I willing to die for my breasts? Um, and again, I think that's something that you need to have a have a discussion with um, your family, discuss with doctors, look at the ongoing research. Israel is leading research um, with BRCA, and there's a lot out there of understanding. Um, you don't have to have preventative operations um, if, yeah, so if, if that's a choice you make. And what's really, really amazing in the genetic side of things is that um, people can, now when you're having children, can undergo um, PGD where you can actually test which eggs have this gene and do not have the gene um, according to my halakhic sources it has been halakhically passed and um, you actually can now bring into this next generation of the world implants an egg that doesn't carry this um, BRCA mutation and effectively get rid of this line from your from your family um, history forever so, so I really think my main message is just about being informed um, understanding that it is difficult to make these decisions and there's there's not a rush, um, but just be proactive in your thinking about it. Is there a website or something that people can get more information, particularly on BRCA issues? I think there's one um, called Sharisheret, which I actually found quite a lot of BRCA facts about. Um, but I think if you if you just type in BRCA1 and 2 and Jewish um, ancestry, then there, you'll find a lot of information. All right. Well, there you go. Um, Jordi, uh, the, the film coming up, where can people uh, just follow the progress and uh, and see where it's going, etc.? So um, they can follow the progress on Instagram at uh, Sanctuary Films, and that's Sanctuary with a K, not a, not a C. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I also think the opportunity, once it's at festivals, I think probably the first few festivals in South Africa that will come around is there's the, there's the uh, Joburg Film Festival happening uh, usually around November time, and then there's encounters, which I think happens around about fe- uh, March time in uh, uh, in Cape Town. And 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 that's likely to be this year or, or next year. It's uh, probably only going to be next year, next, next year, or, or no, this this year for November for November time. Okay. Yeah. And and Gabby, uh, p- 
people want to see your, your films about BRCA, where can they find them? Yes, yeah, so um, the film that I was speaking about that um, I work with the Breast Health Foundation is actually going to be released on their, um, on the 4th of February, which is um, World Cancer Day, on their YouTube channel. So if you type in Breast Health Foundation on YouTube, you'll see a really um, fantastic um, subject matter being explored. And um, my, yeah, otherwise on the UK Jewish Film website in, um, in March, the short form will be out there. And otherwise on my Instagram, um, constantly at, at Gabriella Bloomberg, there's, um, there's the shorter, um, films that I've been making about breast cancer. Well, there you go. It brings us to the end of the show for today. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. It was thank a really great us. conversation. Uh, thank you so much to Mandy, who helps doing the production on the show. Uh, Vusi does the sound. Craig, who pushes all the big red buttons. And thank you to you listeners for tuning in. We'll chat to you again next week on the New Blue Review.